Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Taylor Raglan and only Taylor Raglan. Just a two-man panel for this episode as we break down our game of the week, Taylor, heading into week eight of high school football season. Uh, Shout out to everybody who went and voted on the poll on our website, starlocalmedia.com. We are going out to District 66A, however, for this week's game of the week, all the way out to the woodshed i.e. Hawk Stadium out at Hebron High School, which will be the site of Friday 7 p.m. kickoff between Hebron and Flower Mound. A matchup between two of the heavyweights over in District 66A, uh, a game that at the start of the year at least I think we was uh, was kind of our de facto district championship match. Um, obviously since then Marcus has certainly had something to say about that, so we will uh, we shall see ultimately what the, uh, what the events of Friday night ultimately, uh, I guess, unfold for uh, the district title race. But you have two teams that are... Um, you know, certainly coming in, I guess, um, off of two uh, two very different outcomes and whatnot. You have Hebron, who's four and two on the season, two and one in district. They are coming off their first district loss in a twenty-four to fourteen setback to Marcus. Whereas uh, Firemount has just been taking care of business ever since getting uh, you know taking that uh, that rough loss to Prosper. They have uh, rebounded nicely with a three and zero mark in district play. They are five and one on the season. It's only fitting that this was voted as game of the week because of every game that we have had to pick this hmm. season. This is the one that has given me more trouble than any of them. Um, I don't even know where to begin as far as how to kind of make heads and tails of this matchup, but um, I guess um, at first glance, Taylor, what was your initial thoughts when uh, kind of trying to make uh, make sense of this one? Man, I I don't know either. It it literally feels, you know, we use the phrase coin flip a lot, and sometimes we probably, that's hyperbole, but this one literally just feels like a complete toss-up. It's definitely a a well-used entry in the sports cliche (laughs) Rolodex. (laughs) Because, you know, Hebron loses to Marcus. The other loss in the year for Hebron is Arlington Martin. But both of those games were so weird. Yes. (laughs) They were so weird. Arlington Martin, it was all special teams wackiness that did Hebron in almost immediately. Mm. Same thing for uh, last week against Marcus. I mean, I think Hebron got out to a 7-0 lead. 
then fumbles a kickoff after an answer or something, and then there was block punt late in the game. Like it was just really strange special teams ineptitude that that kind of caused that loss. Um, and then on the other hand, you have Flower Mound who took advantage of turnovers against Louisville mm-hmm. and then has gotten to kind of cruise into this game with some some Irving ISD yeah. matchups and and not really been tested the last two weeks. So you know that makes you wonder. Like you know, it, you never want to say that a team gets into a little bit of a different mode after cruising through some teams like that. You know, I, I trust that Flower Mound will be prepared, but that's a that's a tall order. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to get an angry, I think, Hebron team, you know, coming off that Marcus loss. They're going to get a Hebron team that, you know, if I'm Hebron, if I'm the Hebron coaching staff, the one thing that I'm concerned with this week is no matter what happens, no matter what the final score is, we are not going to make special teams <laughs> mistakes. We're going to make... Blake Short and and Pierce Hudgens beat us. We are going to make Flower Mound come into the woodshed where they haven't lost this mm-hmm. year. Um, that's a tough place to play. That's a tough place to play. They're going to make Flower Mound, I would think, come in and mm-hmm. beat them and stop beating themselves. So that's kind of where, just thinking about this matchup in general, it's we can get into some of the numbers and some of the other things, but mm-hmm. I think the things that, that led me toward um, Hebron, one, they're at home. That is a very difficult place to play. Mm-hmm. Two, they're coming off that loss to Marcus that you know, you don't want to call this a must-win because I think they're a postseason team regardless, oh, yeah. but it, it feels like a must-win just for the fact that they need to get on track, they need to get their legs underneath them, and the areas of the game that they should, they're a good enough team where they shouldn't be having these special teams miscues and, and looking lost on special teams plays. It just shouldn't happen. So I would think there's going to be a commitment to that. And then, man, Flower Mound, for all the hype, I, I mean, I had Flower Mound as the district champion, mm-hmm. and, and they've looked... You know, good. They've looked apart, certainly. And if, if they beat Hebron, then I think the Mount Showdown becomes the de facto district championship game. But, you know, they've also looked fallible. Like I said, they beat Louisville by a score, but that was a three-turnover game from Louisville. So if Hebron plays clean, you know, I don't think any of these teams, having seen this district kind of unfold, Marcus Hebron, Louisville, and Flower Mount in particular, I think they're all pretty much on the same plane. You know, there's there doesn't seem to be that upper tier that we thought. So... Man, I don't know. A, a 50-50 matchup between teams that I think are very evenly matched. I ended up just going with the home team, the team coming off the loss that really needs the win. I don't want to say wants it more clearly. Flower Mound wants to go in there and beat mm-hmm. them. But I think there's just something intangible with Hebron that maybe it's 51% to 49%. But, man, this is – of all the games of the week for, for you guys to pick to go into depth, this is the hardest for us mm-hmm. to – to really parse out because it, uh, I could literally see it going one of you know eighty seven different ways. The uh, the special teams element to this, I just can't get over. I can't recall the last time that we've covered a team or that it was in our coverage area that has had their bottom line so profoundly impacted by special teams play. I know because it and we talked about you know what undid them in that first quarter against Marcus, and then I mean it just completely completely slipped my mind. The only points that Marcus scored in the second half was off of a yeah. a botched. By, yeah. by uh by Hebron. So I mean it's yeah, it, it's it's crazy because like elsewhere, like the defense is, mm-hmm. you know, you can make a case it's the best in the district yep. when you look at what they've done up to this point. You know, you mentioned numbers. I've got numbers, I always do have numbers. Uh two sixty six point seven yards per game allowed by Hebron's defense. That's top fifteen in the area. They've been particularly stout against the run, ninety six point three rushing yards allowed.
about top seven in the mm -hmm. area. They've held opposing quarterbacks to just a shade over 52% passing yep. overall. And that, and that means performances against Oliver Towns of Plano, 14 of 31. Zach Mundell with Arlington Martin, 6 of 12. Garrett Nussmeyer, Marcus mm -hmm. last week, even though they lost that game by 10 points, they held Nussmeyer to just yep. 17 of 33. I mean, it's the defense has been... Well, and even outside of <laughs> those in-depth numbers, just the, the very baseline numbers, only one team put up 30 yeah. and that was Martin in that weird special team craziness yeah, they didn't put up 30 they didn't put up 30 on Hebert's it, defense that's what I mean yeah, like yeah. that's the only time a team has even scored 30 points period and it, it wasn't the defense's fault not even close no. so that defense is legit and you know that's that's a big part of the Flower Mounds offense is so good but mm -hmm. they have had their weird kind of games <laughs> this year already you know they have so had those Hebert kind of head scratchers but yeah so, so it's Hebert, Hebert. <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know, man. This is a, uh, this is this is crazy. Because with Hebron, like in the offenses, this has been the side of the ball that I've kind of been a bit more kind of keeping an eye on. Because yeah. I, I guess I, uh, you know, maybe we're just kind of underestimating just how imp mm -hmm. important Trajan Bridges was to that equation. But yeah. it does seem like generating steady offense has been much tougher than uh, than expected for the Hebron bunch. Because lost in the shuffle of like, yeah, they had their special teams miscues last week. Mm -hmm. They still only scored fourteen yeah. points. So that's and that's really you're just not going to win too many games in this district if that's what you're able to churn out. And the offense has been. You know, it's been solid, but not. They just haven't had like unless they're playing one of the Irving schools. They just really haven't had that true statement game, given the talent that offense has. You know, particularly in the backfield with you know with Carson Harris, who's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the area. You know, he's been efficient on the year. He just threw his first pick of the season last week against Marcus. You know, but then you have you know Isaiah Broadway, who's one of the top running backs in the country for his class. You know, he's you know thriving in a much larger role than last season. You know, he's already up to seventy five carries versus Evan only 84 total last season. You know, he's averaging around five and a half yards per carry. And then Jalen Lott, their other stud running back, he's averaging almost five yards per carry. Um, it's just through the air, though, that's been it's been a little bit tougher to generate reliable yardage. We talked, uh, you know, last week on the podcast, the absurd yards per catch figure for Nick Frazier, hmm. who's still averaging over 30 yards per catch, albeit not the 36 that he was a week ago, you know, but other, but other than that, I mean, they don't have a receiver that has 15 catches this season. Colton Bradford is their leading receiver and he has 14 you know and he had a big week last week against Marcus but just in general offense has been a little bit tougher to come by for this Hebron bunch and I'm curious to see how that jives with a flower mound defense that you know when they when they played Plano West and when they played the Irving mm -hmm. schools they did what's expected and held those groups in check but on um, the other three teams you know whether it was Fossil Ridge uh, Prosper and then um who's the third one Louisville, Louisville. yeah they all they all eclipse 30 points mm -hmm. so and you know, with uh, with Flower Mound, it's kind of the the reverse. Whereas we talk about the offense, you know, obviously mm -hmm. first and foremost, and they've been as prolific as as expected. You know, with their uh, offense ranking, you know, top five in the area in passing yardage. You know, as can be expected. The thing that that figure does give you a little bit of pause, though, because you talk about how good Hebron is against the pass. Mm -hmm. You look at that win over Louisville for Flower Mound, thirty three yards on the ground. Yeah, thirty three. So if it, Hebron takes Blake Short out of the game early, or at least limits him to, you know, Blake Short's going to have two hundred yards or whatever passing, mm -hmm. probably regardless, because that's just how that offense operates. But that game, three hundred ninety three passing yards to thirty three yards on the ground. You know, it 
they're going to have to run the football at some point. Because that's been kind of the sneaky thing with the year for Pierce Hudgens, who was one yeah. of the best running backs in the area last season, and he's had a bit of an uneven year, so to speak. You know, you look at what he did in the opener against um, against Fossil Ridge. You know, he had you know 21 carries, 121 yards, and then in their last game against Nimitz, 18 carries for 135 yards. In the four games in between, though, he's averaging just 66 rushing yards per yeah. game. And now one of the things that we did mention at the start of the year was that Flyer Mound was breaking in a brand new offensive line. Mm-hmm. That was a thing that got lost in the shuffle last year. They had five all-district offensive linemen lining up there to, to set the tone for that uh, for that high-octane group. So um, that could perhaps be uh, you know an indicator as to why things have been a little bit tougher on yeah. Hudson's issue. And that, that, that stat that I just mentioned is a little skewed because they had like a minus 30 mm-hmm. play as a team. But, you know, Pierce Hudgens, 23 attempts for 45 yards that game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's probably not going to get it done against Hebron. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to set the world on fire, but you have to be able to do something, especially if Hebron continues to be as stingy against the pass as they have been. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, Blake, he's going to get his. Yeah. You know, you're going to have some success, but you may not have 350 yards of passing and four scores mm-hmm. against Hebron. It's probably not going to happen. So you got to have some element of being able to run the football. And... I guess that's a that's a tough place to go do it. Yeah, and with Hudgens, you always have to factor that he's going to be a big pa- big yep. factor in the passing game yeah. as well. Yep. And that's on top of, I mean, they have a really, because it's not just short. I mean, he's not having to really feast on any one particular yep. target on the outside. They are so balanced in yep. how they spread the ball around. Their top five pass catchers all have at least 17 receptions, mm-hmm. but nobody has above 25. Um, and, you know, you talk about a guy like Reed Touchstone, who's, I think, maybe a little bit unheralded when you talk about some of the, uh, you know, some of the premier receivers in the area this season. You know, he's only 14th in the area in receiving yards, which is still pretty damn good, at 512. But of those top 14, he's second in yards per catch at 25.6. So he's definitely brought that uh, that big play punch to the passing game and kept that ticking. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, their defensive line has been stout this year. You know, I mean, as, for, you know, as vulnerable as the defense might have looked against some of the upper echelon offenses that they've seen, they do have a really stout defensive line led by Stone Eby. With, uh, that's an awesome name, first hmm. off. 19 tackles for loss by Stone five sacks. Uh, Spencer Baltmanis, he has 35 tackles, eight tackles for loss. Travis McFarling, eight and a half tackles for loss. Um, it just, it's not a huge ball hawking unit in the secondary mm-hmm. though. They've only intercepted three passes this season. Um, so, all, that's, all that to be said, um, I, I, we're kind of expecting another close game. You got the yeah. same thing last year, you know, even though these two teams finished, you know, you had uh, Hebron, which was, I believe, the, uh, what, the three seed last year? Three, three seed or the four seed? Sounds been, right, yeah. the four seed. But, yeah, I mean, Flyermont won the district title last year, but they only beat Hebron by three points. Mm -hmm. And what was one of the more back-and-forth games of the entire season, there were six lead changes in that game up until the aforementioned Reed touchdown caught a touchdown pass midway through the fourth quarter in an eventual 38-35 victory. Um, I don't know if Hebron wants the game in the 30s. Yeah, and that's kinda, I, I wouldn't think so. So you wonder if their best approach might be to try to really, um, you know, just try to ground them down a bit yeah. you know, with that backfield and see if they can shackle that, uh, you know, Blake Short and Pierce Hudgens to the sidelines and if they can get this game more so in kind of like the low to mid-20s and that yeah. might be their, their most reasonable path to victory. Well, yeah, because if you look at Arlington Martin, granted this game was out of hand in the first half. It was 24 nothing, but they hadn't scored an offensive touchdown. And then Hebron won the second half of that game like 14 to 9. You're not going to hold Farm on three field goals. That's that's yeah. not going to happen. But if Hebron, you know, I think ideally, like you said, Hebron wants to come out of this game winning I don't know, 24, 20, mm-hmm. you know, like something like that, 28, 21, just some sort if you can hold Flower Mound under 30, 
I mean, one, that's a good day, you know, because that offense is so prolific. Absolutely. And two, I think Hebron's got to feel pretty good at home, um, you know, with with that kind of a game. If if Flower Mound jumps out and even if the game's not out of hand, even if it's 14-14 or, or 21-21 in the first half, that's not a game Hebron wants to get involved in, I don't think. I just there's just so much about this matchup that you just don't know what to truly bank on when predicting a winner. Like for all we say about the Hebron of Hebron defense and what they're capable of, that offense has just been so hot yeah. and cold this season. I mean, I was just going through the uh, you know the play-by-play log from that game against Marcus. They had a drive that lasted 14 plays hmm. where Hebron began the ball on its own nine, and then when you factor in penalties, they wind up punting from their own 25. Hmm. 14 plays! That's just, ah, they make it so tough on themselves. Um, so, I mean, I, I ended up siding with Hebron in this mm-hmm. one. You know, just, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know. I, I think the concept of home field advantage is a little overrated in high school football personally, but I do know that they do have a fairly good track record yeah. at the woodshed. It's called the woodshed for if, a reason. If there's a place that does offer some sort of advantage, that's one mm-hmm. of them. I, I don't think that a lot of you know, home fields offer that. I mean, I don't know if Lake Dallas and Lovejoys and teams like that of the world are really mm-hmm. getting that much out of playing at home, but I think Hebron's one of the schools that certainly takes pride in, you know, you're coming into the woodshed. And it's just so tough to bank on. Like, I know they've, again, their two losses, you can almost exclusively look at special teams yeah. and see just what the heck went, through, went, uh, you know, went wrong. Not there. even almost. I mean, it, I would say it's like 90 to 95%. Like I said, they were down 24 nothing to Martin on... All non-offensive touchdowns. In a half that they held Martin to negative 30 yeah. yards or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. So it's just tough to bank on that kind of game to game and say like, oh, well, I just, you expect that Hebron's going to struggle in special teams. You can't say that. It's no, just, I think that's too good of a program to do that over and over and over yeah. and over again. And if, again, assuming they can just play, you know, just average in that, mm-hmm. <laughs> in that, uh, in that area, it does feel like the the defense should at least have a bit more in the tank than they had last year. Again, a lot of those guys were on that defense last year that you know gave up 38 to mm-hmm. Flower Mound. So, um, but I don't know. Just when you factor in the job that they've done against the run, how up and down the Flower Mound uh, mm-hmm. run game has been this season, and then just their efforts against you know against some solid quarterbacks this season, it's it's. I think it is going to be a lower scoring game, or at least for Hebron's sake, you know it has it kind of has to be. If this game gets into the 30s, Flower Mound's winning yep. this one, no question. Um, but um, you know, all that's to say, I narrowly pick the Hawks in this one, and I do not feel no, like good I said, about I mean, it in the like, slightest. It's literally like I'm like at fifty one forty nine percent. I mean, it's the picket line. I think was three two, and it it feels like one of those games that if it had been anything other than that, it would have been crazy. I think I, I actually did run this through one of those like random like projection simulators yeah. just to see what on like a neutral field they would uh you know some algorithm would peg this game at and I think the outcome was they predicted Flower Mound by one point on a neutral field. Yeah. So if you take though the minus three that you're afforded there for home field um, and you know in, a, in gambling terms then yeah I guess Hebron by the ever so slightest of margins. Um, and yeah the picket line was uh was pretty much in uh, in unison on this being an absolute pain in the butt to pick. Um, three to two in favor of Hebron. Yourself, my, me, and then Kendrick Johnson. We're all siding with the Hawks. Brian Murphy, Devin Hassan, leaning flyer man. I am a little surprised it was three two in favor of Hebron. You know, the team that has lost and, you know, has, yeah. has stumbled a bit. But, man, I... 
who knows. I don't know. But, so, yeah, hopefully you all can make sense of that preview for this game. <laughs> it was not an easy one for us, to, for us to break down and try to make sense of, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, Friday, 7 o'clock, out at Hawk Stadium, i.e. the Woodshed, out at Hebron. Uh, Hebron versus Flower Mound. Should be a fun one. Should be some uh, a chance to uh, potentially see a district champion crowned. Obviously, we'll have to see what happens with Marcus, you know, and whatnot, but a, a very high-profile matchup that you all selected as Game of the Week. Um, so, yeah, one of the key players in this matchup is that uh, is Hebron quarterback Carson Harris, and he is the subject of our student-athlete spotlight. I had a chance to swing by Hebron to talk with Carson in advance of the big game on Friday, and we will see what he had to say after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. We are out at Hebron High School talking with quarterback Carson Harris of the Hebron Hawks. Uh, Hebron, the subject of our game of the week this week. Hebron has a fun one here at Hawks Stadium on Friday, 7 o'clock against Flower Mound. First off, Carson, thank you for taking the time to chat yes, this sir, afternoon. Yes, sir. No doubt. Um, so, uh, yeah, you guys are looking to bounce back from uh, you know from your first district loss last week against Marcus. Um, so, I guess in the wake of, um, of that game, what was, um, what was just kind of the mood around the team and just how have you guys gone about trying to, uh, I guess, uh, recover from that one? Um, that was a game we knew we should have won, that we knew we were more talented than them and we just didn't play to our full potential so I mean we came in here Monday and we watched the film and I mean it was hard to look at just a lot of we left a lot lot out there on the field but it kind of motivated us I think in a sense now everyone's just that much hungrier uh, specifically on offense when you guys got your first look at the uh, at the game film uh, from that one against uh, against Marcus what was um what kind of stood out about that performance and just kind of evaluate what happened there just getting stuck behind the chains that was a big issue for us against Marcus because we came out that first drive without one negative play and that was we scored on the first drive and then it was just after that it just got rough like we we're starting drives out second and 15 second and 13 and just getting put in situations like that are just it's hard to dig yourself out of and then just a lot of just a lot of miscues, a lot of busts. I believe we busted on like I forgot how many plays it was, but it was like over thirty plays. And we just it was it was we beat ourselves that game. Now, uh, now you you're entering your uh, your second year as Hebron starting quarterback. Now yes, last sir. year you guys had a, had a big season. You know you went a few rounds deep in the playoffs and whatnot. So as a as a senior now, just talk a bit about how much the uh, the game has kind of changed for you in just one year's time. Um, out there, it's definitely slowed down. Uh, nerves are calmed. You know what you're going to see, especially with it being that I get to play the same schedule both years. <laughs> so I've played all these teams and I've seen what they do on defense. So just being a lot more comfortable back there and knowing it's getting ready to happen. Now you've got a lot of continuity in the backfield between you and Jalen yeah, and Isaiah. Yeah. Just talk about the bond that you all have and just the effectiveness of that, uh, that run game this season. Oh, for sure. Just between the three of us, I mean, I don't feel like any team has a better three rushers in their backfield that we can have back there at, all at once. And all of us coming back from last year, I mean, we're definitely close. We're definitely close. And uh, obviously, uh, you graduated a pretty big weapon last year that's off yeah, playing football sure, up, in, sure. up in Oklahoma. Um, so just talk about the passing game and just how much have the dynamics of the passing game changed with Trajan Bridges having graduated? I mean, of, of course it changed losing him. When I mean, whenever you're in doubt, you can just throw it up to Trey. But, I mean, we got dudes stepping up, making plays. So we'll, we'll be just fine. We've been fine, and we'll, we'll keep it going. Now you've got, a, like I said, you got a fun one on Friday. You know, Flyer 
Browns coming out, coming to town. So um, just some initial thoughts on that matchup and what the Jaguars bring to the uh, table. That's always a good game. I guess we've been playing against those dudes since middle school, basically, yeah. same same people. And it's just it's it's always it's always been close with them ever since I can think of. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I mean, you mentioned it being close. I mean, last year's game is a yeah. perfect example of yeah, that. Man, came it was down, like came six down lead right changes, and yeah. they they got y'all by three points. What yeah. are just some memories of that game last year? Certainly one of the crazier games just, y'all had. Oh, just some plays that that we could have made that were right there. We pl- we played a good game, but just just a few things that if we could have made, we would have won with it coming down to that last drive. And us not being able to, not, us not being able to get in the field goal range, and it, it was hard. It was hard. That was a tough loss. That's probably the toughest loss I've ever took. Dude. Now y'all, uh, now you do get him here. You know at uh, at Hawk yeah. Stadium on yeah. Friday. And for those, I don't know how many people outside of the Carrollton area know, but this place has a had a pretty sweet nickname with it being called yeah, uh, the for Woodshed. Sure, for sure, for now, sure. Now I don't know how, like how long ago it was called the Woodshed, or I guess what went into that nickname. But just talk about the uh, the home field advantage here, and um, just what this atmosphere can bring. Oh, for sure. Our student our student section is going to be out here. They're going to be rocking. And I don't know. It's just we don't want to lose out here. We this is where we did all of our summer workouts, where we put in all our work. Came out here through over summer, just all that stuff, and we're just real comfortable out here. So uh, last thing before I let you go, just kind of talk some uh, some keys to victory, and what's it going to take on Friday to get back in the win column? Um, we just we got we got to put up points because we know they got a good offense, and we got a great defense. I know that's going to hold them, but we're going to offensively we're going to go out there and put up some big numbers. Awesome, hey Carson, I appreciate you taking yes, the time sir. to chat, man. Thank Let's you, see, thank this has been Carson Harris, the quarterback for the Hebron Hawks. Uh, Hebron hosts Flyer Mound Friday here at Hawks Stadium in our game of the week. Carson, best of luck to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Big thanks to Carson Harris for taking the time to chat for our student athlete spotlight. And uh, ever since we've uh, we've subbed in Brian Murphy in place of Taylor Raglan as we continue to break down some of the marquee matchups in our coverage area for Week Eight of high school football season. Uh, Brian, on Monday we uh, we talked about what an ice cream headache it has been to try to make sense of District Seven Five A Division Two, and that's probably going to bear itself out as we try to uh, break down this uh, this pivotal game, which actually takes place tonight, Thursday, at um, at Denton Bronco Field. Um, the site of Frisco Reedy visiting Denton Braswell, two teams that are uh, that are in contention for a uh, for a high playoff seed in 75A D2. District title is probably out of the question. They both mm-hmm. already have losses to Frisco on their resumes, but nevertheless, a chance of potentially being able to move up in the pecking order. So, um, yeah, I mean, it feels like any game between those top four, top five teams in this district is you know to you know to once again drudge up the term a coin flip. But nevertheless, Brian, how do you kind of see this one playing out? I see this one being a very close game. This yeah. is not going to be a blowout either way. You know, looking at Reedy's track record, you know, outside of that game against Memorial and that week two loss to a really good uh, the Colony team, mm-hmm. you know, all of their games have been close. They've pulled out nail biters. They've lost heartbreakers. You know, you, it's they've been battle tested to the max. And, and I don't know, Denton Braswell, they this outside of the Colony is this the most explosive? Well, I guess Frisco, mm-hmm. but I mean air. Throwing wise, passing wise, is this the most lethal passing attack that they've faced since? Oh, you can make the case. Com- They've got the number three, uh, the exactly. number three passer so, in the area right now in Gray Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's yeah. got almost two thousand yards, yeah. uh, twenty touchdowns through the air, and I, I don't know. This this one's going to be close. It's in Denton. I don't know if that will have anything to do, you know, you know, with the outcome of this game. I don't know if they'll shake things up because Reedy's gone to Denison and, mm-hmm. and won a close game, and you know they lost last week to. Lovejoy by one at home or at home so I don't know man this one is going to be you got to think Reedy's going to be really hungry you know especially after the way they lost last week after they had that one in the bag giving up the game Mm -hmm. you know game winning touchdown in the final seconds 
uh, to Lovejoy and losing that one by one. But, man, Braswell's really good, yeah. and I would not be surprised if Braswell's sitting at that number two seed <laughs> at the end of the season. You just you wonder how different the narrative would be heading into this game if Reedy had just been able to close out some of these closely contested games that they've been in. Yeah. It's it's crazy because you look at their uh, at their district resume. You know, they're just three and two, but hitting into the final minute of every district ball game they've played, they've had the lead. I mean, it's really not that far-fetched to think that this team, if they could if they could just catch a break here and there on defense, that, yeah, they could be undefeated and potentially, you know, we're talking about them as being the best team in the district, and, well, look at how well they've recovered from, uh, you know, from that up-and-down start. It's just, yeah. it's just crazy, but then you have a team like Braswell that has also been in close quarters, except they've shown that they can, you know, they can make the plays requisite to win those mm-hmm. games. Because they beat Lovejoy in a shootout. In triple over time of that, time, yeah. you know, they had the big win at the start of the season over Red Oak, who was state-ranked at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think if we uh, if we foresee this game being as closely contested as a lot of these games in the upper echelon of this district have been, um, you know, it's where you, you kind of side with the team that has at least shown the ability to make the plays necessary to pull those tight games out, you know, and a lot of times that'll come down to which team sports the better quarterback, and at least up to this point, it has been Grayson Thompson mm-hmm. with Braswell, as you mentioned, almost 2,000 yards passing, 19 passes touchdowns he's the number three passer right now in the area among 5a programs and that's just kind of what was the uh, I guess what tipped the scales for me in picking Braswell to win this one doesn't come easy though I mean much like Flower Mound Hebron this was not exactly uh, this was a bit of an ice cream headache to predict yeah and you know they could be five and0 but they could also be one and four yeah you know if they lose that road game to Denison where it went down to the wire and you know they were still trying to figure things out at the beginning of the season when they played Lake Dallas mm-hmm. I, I, they're a way better team than Lake Dallas. There's no question. Yeah. Um, you know, Lake Dallas down year, but you know, trying to figure things out in multiple key positions. But no, I mean that was only a six point game. Mm-hmm. They only beat Lake Dallas 27-21. Granted, Reedy was still you know in the early stages, still trying to get their their feet wet with a lot of new guys. You know, plugged into you know key roles. But you know, this team could be one and four. They could be five and zero. Oh, but I think they're sitting you know right where they should be at three and two. I think this is a a, a three and two squad. I think it's a four and three squad. You know they're 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 a playoff team, playoff caliber team. I should say. Mm-hmm. Will they make the playoffs? I don't know because if they lose this game, things get really interesting because then they're sitting there at three and three. You know they're they're they're, they're flirting with that number five seat because then Braswell if they win they're surely surely locked in somewhere in the top four you you think it's a good spot to be in yeah you, you'd think and then Lovejoy's in really good shape after that win last week man I don't know it's gonna get it's gonna get really interesting these last three weeks what's gonna help Reedy is that win over Denison ultimately yeah. Yeah, of oh, course yeah. though Denison still has games against a lot of those top tier yeah. teams still to go so they'll basically if they lose this one then they become big fans of whoever's playing Denison um, as far as where the picket line shook out on this one much like Flyerman yeah. Hebron it was another 3-2 ballot uh, I know the two of us ended up siding with Braswell mm-hmm. I, uh, let's see I don't have the actual picket line in front of me right now so I don't I forget which it which was two. yeah I don't remember about that the only picks that matter are mine and yours, right. so because you know we're the we're the former champions around here. That's right. But uh, <laughs> no, but uh, it pains me not to pick Reedy. Mm-hmm. I I, we, I know we talked about it yesterday. I, I was sitting there, I was like, man, have I picked Reedy this year at all? Because they played the Colony week two, and I I even switched my pick to the Colony because I was on the fence. I was like, Reedy, the Colony, I don't, I don't know. And then I picked the Colony, and then uh, when they played Frisco, we all picked Frisco. And then mm-hmm. now this week, you know, I picked Braswell. So I, it's. I, I'm sorry, 
Reedy, maybe this will, my you know my pick could be wrong this week. I, I, but no, this, this game is literally 50-50 in my opinion. I should have realized. I actually just have the picket line on the spreadsheet of my laptop. Come on, smart if I pulled that Come up. Come on, man. Um, all right, so it was the two of us as well as uh, Taylor Raglan siding with uh, with Braswell in this one, and then Kendrick and Devin picking Reedy. So okay, yeah. I feel confident about my pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, let's see. This is um this is going to be a big week for District Nine Six A. We got a oh, yeah. couple a uh, couple big bouts that are going to swing the uh, the balance of power or potentially the playoff uh, picture within that district, including the uh, the latest installment of the oldest football rivalry in Plano. Plano East versus Plano Senior. This one takes place Friday, 7 o'clock out at Clark Stadium in what is, I believe, the 38th installment of this rivalry. Um, for those keeping count, uh, Plano has a 19-17-1 to 17 to 1 lead overall. Um, and isn't it a bunch of weird games? Ah, oh, man, yeah, there's a lot to recount from that rivalry, you know, for, for sure. I don't have a history lesson like mm-hmm. I did last week with, uh, <laughs> with North Mesquite and, uh, and Mesquite. It's just, this game's fascinating because it feels like, in a, in a sense, the, uh, the roles have kind of reversed from where these programs were at last year heading into this game. So last season you had Plano East, which was coming off an emotional game against Allen, you know, one that they lost. And then, um, you know, but it was a Plano East team that had one of the most prolific spread offenses in the, uh, in the district, you know, they could throw it well, they could run it, they could do everything. Mm-hmm. And they were coming into this game with a pretty salty record against a Plano team that looked a little rudderless after taking a, a tough loss to McKinney. And then, be it just rivalry voodoo or whatnot, you have mm-hmm. Plano which goes out and posts a, th- a 41 to 19 victory that nobody saw coming. Um, just once again reiterating that records really don't mean a whole lot when Plano no. and Plano East get together, which makes again, this game Friday fascinating because it's the shoes on the other foot. You have Plano, which is coming off the emotional game against McKinney, one that they were actually able to pull out in a game that required two days to complete because of weather, 56-49. Uh, to 49. They're going up against a, uh, a Plano East team that has taken two pretty rough losses to Allen, albeit, you know, Allen and Prosper. You know, that's mm-hmm. what happens when you play those two teams. But it's a team that's battled a lot of inconsistencies and kind of searching for its identity and whatnot this season. Whereas Plano is now the team that has this vaunted spread offense. They're having their best passing season in forever. They can still run the ball very well. So it's, I don't know, so does this mean we're setting up for East then to turn the tide and uh, and pick up a... Uh a pivotal victory of its own. Um, you know, the picket line went 5-0 in favor of Plano on this one, and it feels like that's a bit of a slight against East, and I'm not entirely sure that's entirely fair because it's one thing to look at the win-loss records and see, oh, well, you know, 4-2 and two versus 1-5 and you know five or whatnot. But again, like, it's one thing, you know, when you've taken two rough losses to Allen and Prosper, two of the better teams in this district, you know, whereas Plano's got two wins over McKinney and Plano West, the only two teams that are yet to pick up a win in district play. So, Mm. That kind of might color the perception of this matchup. Um, I think this. I think it's going to be a close game. Personally, um, I ended up siding with Plano just because I feel like they're a bit more solidified in their identity right now mm-hmm. versus a team like yeah. East that's been battling injuries on defense. You know, they're not going to have their top overall defender. You know, defensive lineman Kayvon Hamilton. Their secondary has been really banged up in recent weeks, and you kind of need a healthy secondary for a Plano team that's shown the ability oh, to yeah. stretch the field with the uh, quarterback Oliver Towns and receivers Nolan Williams. 
Williams, Jaden Chambers. Now it does sound like they should at least get a couple bodies back there in that defensive backfield with, uh, with Elliot Reed, James Marshall. Not entirely sure what percentage they're going to be at um, effectiveness wise, but um, you know it's just a. And then you get a factor in the situation of quarterback with the East and how Dylan Hayden has just been trying to rediscover the form that he showed earlier on in the year and that uh, and that win over uh, over Boyd to open up district. Mm -hmm. He took a hit though in the uh, late in that game and he just hasn't been the same. Yeah, since. I remember y'all talking about it a couple weeks ago when we came back to the office at you know, late Friday night. Mm -hmm. I remember Taylor was at that game and he was he was talking about man he got wiped out man. I hope he was like I hope he's okay. And, oh, yeah. and you know, he, he runs in that go ahead touchdown and yeah. then he takes a late hit from Boyd defensive back Jake Fex and yeah it just yeah. It, he cleaned his clock. I haven't it was, seen it but it's from what I've heard it didn't sound pretty. Yeah. But and he just he just hasn't been the same since and some of that has to do with obviously playing Prosper and Allen for sure. sure. Um, you know Coach McCullough speculated that he's probably around 85 to 90 percent heading into this game so we'll ultimately see what that means but it's just um, I don't know it just feels like the the momentum is a little bit more on Plano's side right now and they've just again a little bit more of a, a sure thing as far as what their identity is. Yeah is him at 85 percent you know good enough to beat Plano? That's a fair question I mean Plano's defense will give up will give up some yardage I mean they were dangerously close to blowing a what was that a 42 yeah. to 14 lead to McKinney I mean they can go before the been, weather delay hit yeah they've they been a little out, leaky back there yeah. so um, yeah we'll see but yes Plano versus Plano East uh, once again the pick line is unanimous everybody siding with the Wildcats to pick up the win over uh, over the Panthers and then you have the game that I'm going to be at on Friday over at Eagle Stadium in Allen a game that uh, the uh, the interest in this one juiced up uh, quite a bit with, yeah. the, uh, with the events of the past yeah. week when Allen welcomes Jesuit in a meeting of the, uh, the last two unbeaten teams in district play both uh, 3-0 and Allen of course 6-0 and on the season Jesuit 4-2 and they have won four straight though since getting EJ Smith back into the fold and yeah Brian I mean we were all uh, our jaws were collectively on the floor when we saw that final score between Jesuit and Prosper as um, as Jesuit put a 41-14 whooping on Prosper handed them their first loss um, you know I mean we, we spent all this time sitting here talking about oh Allen versus Prosper Allen versus Prosper oh. and how this could be the uh, this is the game to watch now in we this were, district we were looking too far ahead on November 1st we really should have been looking ahead at October 18th yeah man I mean Jesuit just comes yeah. out of the uh, out of the, out of nowhere and it's I mean it's it's kind of part and parcel though with what they've done up to this point you could question the competition they'd beat but to do this then against a team like Prosper just shows that this team is okay we need to take them a bit more seriously yeah because it's it's a team that again it's when they've got back to full strength and getting EJ Smith back and the dimension that he brings on top of what is already a really balanced set of skill players you know it's not just EJ Smith and granted he had a huge game against Prosper with four yeah. touchdowns you know but he's got his his running mate in the backfield Jake Taylor I mean Jake Taylor had seven and a half yards per carry against Prosper Man. you know Jake Taylor's their leading receiver that's the thing they get both their running backs heavily involved in the receiving game you know EJ's I think he's uh, what third or third on the team in receptions but he missed the first two games of the season if he plays the full six then he and Jake Taylor are probably their two leading receivers in addition to being the anchors of the run game you know and then you've got a really deep receiving core that's led by uh, Wyatt Garrett a six foot five pass catcher that's certainly one of mm. the the taller targets that Allen's secondary will have seen this season and then you got Rance Holman back there running the show um, a quarterback and it's kind of ironic because it was I think the Allen Jesuit game last year where Rance Holman was thrust into duty after Kevin Schumann got injured and um, getting his first taste of the uh, of the varsity spotlight and now he's been quarterbacking that unit to a uh, to a strong season um, but above all else you know as much as we want to laud uh, you know praise on their uh, on their skill players it was the offensive line was the very first thing that head coach Terry Gamble went to when asking him just what stood out on film and looking back over that uh, that Jesuit Prosper game and yeah Jesuit's offensive line has just been mowing folks down hmm. and that's 
starts, um, you know, in the center there with uh, with Branson Hickman, who's the head coach's son. He's committed to SMU, um, one of the better centers in the uh, in the state. And yeah, it's it's all of a sudden a game now that you're like, okay, well, let's see what this performance means mm-hmm. and what it looks like now against the uh, the cream of the crop in District 96A. Um, because Allen has been, you know, they've been doing the typical Allen thing. You know, they've had a uh, you know moments here and there when you know they've had, they battled the turnover issues and they've been mm-hmm. giving up some big plays through the air. But ultimately, it hasn't really put them in any jeopardy. Of them. I mean, they almost lost the game to Capel, but that was with Raylan Sharp sidelined yeah. their quarterback. When they've been at full strength, at the end of the day, they've still been taking care of business. You know, their head coach Terry Gamble was really, really happy with how uh, the execution went in that win over Plano East and all three phases, for that matter. You know, because um, I mean, they said the turnovers, are turnovers, and Plano East has had a pretty stingy defense. You know, for what for as inconsistent as the offense can be. You know, and it was uh, it was Allen that winds up you know forcing four turnovers in the first half of that game and. Uh, um, and they've just been doing the uh, they, their, their run game has been so efficient. They've got you know four or five rushes that are all averaging like at least seven yards per carry, something silly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see that now against a, a Jesuit defense that's again since they since EJ got back and they've gone on this winning streak, only twelve points per game allowed on defense. And this is a program that's not normally revered for its work on that side of the ball. Ultimately, though, I'm still going Allen. You know, you it's, can't it's, take it, against Allen until. Late in the playoffs, yeah, I mean, it's in Eagle Stadium. Yeah. There's have been given no evidence to no. suggest otherwise that they will. If uh, Raylan Sharp wasn't playing, I would have flirted with the idea mm-hmm. of picking Jesuit. But, oh yeah, it's interesting. But you know, given given the circumstances, you know, given Allen mainly at full strength with Raylan Sharp ready to mm-hmm. go. You can't pick against Allen yeah. in district play. You, you can't, they haven't lost a district game in a million years, yeah. so you just can't do it. Um, you know, just be on the lookout for just the, the battles in the trenches in this yeah. one. You know, I mentioned the Jesuit offensive line. Allen has one of the deepest defensive lines they in do. the state. Guys like Elijah Fisher, Cole Latos, Lane Lewis. They've seven, eight bodies they can throw at you up front. It's, so, nice. it's so tough to deal with. Um, so yeah, I'm picking Allen, you're picking Allen. Everybody's picking Allen. Allen was a 5-0 sentiment in the, in the picket line to stay undefeated in District 96A. Um, let's close this out with a look at a, a couple schools that we don't get to talk a whole lot about on the podcast. Yeah. And really, that's nobody's fault but our own. But um, nevertheless, though, at the 4A level, and it's a shame because if there is a district that's, that warrants significant mention, it's probably 7-4A Division One because there are some heavyweight programs in this one low key not just 4a but out of all of our coverage area in our districts and stuff this might be the best district if you count the four teams that are expected to make the playoffs in this mm-hmm. district and the firepower that they bring and all four of them are capable of making you know a run you know three four five rounds deep in the playoffs and we're talking about argyle we're talking about salina we're talking about melissa and paris yeah you know those are those are some heavy hitters in yes, 4a they are and they're all in the same district you know in the area alone we have the two uh leaders in passing uh bo hogaboom and Ar- argyle and, and brandon lewis is right behind him mm-hmm. at you know one and two uh you know the number two leading rusher in the area is logan point the salina running back and he you know the navy commit and he's a monster um, you know, Salina and Melissa, they, they've both beaten Paris, who was state-ranked coming into the year. Um, you know, look like maybe they're not quite the same team they were last year. Still a very good playoff team, but, you know, Melissa and Salina have beaten them both. And now it's only fitting that they play this week. Yep. It and is uh, Salina at Melissa. Yeah. This one is Friday, 7.30 p.m. out at Melissa ISD Cardinal Stadium. Um, you know, everybody in this district is playing catch-up to Argyle. Yes. Argyle is doing the Argyle thing. So you would see, it would seem like the winner of this game, though, is going to have pole position on that number two seed. So just some thoughts on this matchup and where you're leaning. And so Salina, they're riding high. You know, after you know, unexpectedly beating Paris last week, 34 to nothing. I know a lot of people were picking Paris. I was thinking Paris should have won, would have won. I just based off you know what is recent history with you know mm-hmm. with that program and yeah. you know Salina they just had the game plan man they are just 
that is just such a good run defense and you know they they know how to really play against the wing tee they're so well coached mm-hmm. uh with coach Ford, the defensive coordinator there and bill elliott and is just the man you know they the coaching staff is, is great they had a great game plan and they 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 really gave it to paris they only had 106 107 total yards and that's you know, tough to do. No, it's, when you run a wing tee, yeah. no, that's that's the recipe for disaster. Uh, if you can't get that running game going, and and but they're facing a completely different team this week in Melissa. You know, you have a, a quarterback in Brendan Lewis committed to Colorado, three-star recruit. Mm-hmm. You know, long, over six foot, can can really beat you with his arm or his feet. Um, you know, at, at times he can be their leading. You know. You know, he can obviously lead the team in throwing yards, and he can lead the team in rushing yards. Yeah. And he had four touchdowns last week, almost over 500 total yards a week ago, <laughs> uh, and a 40-7 win against Anna. Uh, and he's hard to stop, man. He, he's not – I, I don't think uh, Salinas faced a quarterback like him this year, and he's not alone. Because last year, um, when Salina beat Melissa 28-21, they didn't have Zylon Posey at running back. He was off at Denton High. This year, he's at Melissa. He's making and, a difference, too. And he is, he is making a major difference because now Jabra Young, who was a, the main running back last year, phenomenal talent, he's now playing more of his you know, main position at linebacker, and he, mm-hmm. he's a beast. And he still plays some at, at running back. He had a touchdown last week, 50 yards, something like that. Uh, but Zalem Posey, he carries the load out of that backfield. He's a smaller, you know, change of pace, shiftier guy. And then you have Jabra Young, who you know, he's a ground and pound, you know, really getting the trenches. And then it's, well, the cha- you know, you know, one gets the ball, you got to prepare for this, and the other one gets the ball, you got to prepare for that. And Zalem Posey, he's a real game changer uh, for that team. It starts and ends with Brendan Lewis, but Zalem Posey is a, is a new dynamic to that offense um, that could really wreak havoc for first line of defense. But we'll see. So, like I said, the line defense is, is really good at stopping the run, and their secondary has really come along. The secondary was really young at the beginning of the year, and you know uh, that early loss against uh, Memorial, and you know even Fort Worth Nolan when they had the loss in Week Three. But this is a different team, man. Salina is that team where they get better and better and better. I know teams talk about, yeah, well, we just want to improve week to week. You know, the generic, you know, coach speak that you know every coach says, uh, which is true. That you know that teams try and do that. But Salina is one of the few that actually gets way better week in and week out from week one till now. And then when they get into the playoffs, because Salina will make the playoffs. Obviously, mm-hmm. they always do, and they'll make a run. Uh, they just continue to get better and. Uh, it pained me to not pick Salina this week. <laughs> I, I just think Melissa just has too much firepower. They are loaded. I think they are just given, you know, who's running that show on that offense and some of the guys they have. I think they're the second best team in this district. Would it shock me if Salina beat them? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've they've proven they can get up for the big games, especially and and uh, but I just I had to pick Melissa. But man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good game. Yeah, I'm kind of in sync with you on this one. Just too much firepower for the Melissa Cardinals. Um, and yeah, it was a four to one sentiment in favor of Melissa over Salina. Uh, the two of us, Taylor Ragland, Kendra Johnson, Devin picked Salina. All back in Melissa. Right. Devin Hassan being the uh, the lone Salina ballot for uh, for this juicy matchup between two of the better programs in seven four a Division one. Um, and yeah, that's a look at uh, some of the marquee matchups that are in our coverage area. As far as what we're specifically covering uh brian what's your coverage week looking like tonight i will be at the star uh, for wakeland 
uh, against Independence. And Friday night, I get a, a rare Friday evening off. I have wedding duties. I'm not getting married. I'm in a wedding. So <laughs> just to clear that up. But yeah, I'll be out of commission pretty much all weekend. But tonight should be a good one. Yeah, man. Storm. Enjoy, the, enjoy the Friday night away from all this, this chaos. Um, let's see. My, uh, my football week will just be limited to one game as well. It'll be Friday, as I mentioned earlier, out at Eagle Stadium in Allen, 7 o'clock for that kickoff between Allen and Jesuit for District 9-6A bragging rights. And yeah, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to presumably break down a lot of the action that we saw in the, in the days to come. So folks, um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.